This week, the Bears take on the Beavers up in Corvallis, Oregon. We'll take a look at their defense, which is playing tough right now, and take a look at what Jonathan Smith has to offer on offense. Coming up right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bear Insider, Ultimate Insider Podcast. I am Mike Pulaski. Today, we're talking about the Bears heading up to Corvallis to take on the Beavers from Oregon State. Now, the Beavs very quietly are playing some of the best defense in the Pac-12 right now. They are in the top four of the four major categories on defense. Rushing defense, passing defense, scoring defense, and total defense. And so one of the best teams on defense in the Pac-12 going right now, which is not a great matchup for the Bears, being that their offense is not has not been their best asset so far this season, putting it kindly. And so as you go into a team like Oregon State, plays good defense, playing them at home. They are 9-1 in their last 10 games at home. They are a very good home team. Bears have their work cut out for them. Coming up, I will talk to head coach Justin Wilcox. We'll discuss this game up with the Beavs. We'll talk about the offense, talk about what he sees in Oregon State's defense uh, and what they have to look out for as they play defense against the Beavs as well and Jonathan Smith. Let's start off on the defensive side of the ball for Oregon State this game. Usually I'm talking about offenses first. But today I want to talk about their defense because this is a really, really good defense. It is led by linebacker Omar Spates. Seems like he has been there forever, number one. He was honorable mention all Pac-12 last year. But he is a guy in the middle of the field that they rush with him. They play run with him. They cover a little bit with him. He is a really good football player in their form, and he has been for quite a while. So keep your eye on Omar Spates, number one. As a defense, if you look at a structure of a defense, when you break them down, you tend to categorize defenses uh, by coverages they play or, or the type of uh, coverage that they use to support run and pass. And so Omar, excuse me, Oregon State would be a post-safety team playing either cover one which is a man coverage, meaning they will play man across the board from corner to nickel guys, backers man on backs, uh, and then safeties manned up on tight ends or backs or slot receivers. But they'll play a single high safety as the ultimate you know, safety valve back there, the ultimate stopper. He is to keep the home run from happening. And so they like to play man. They play it very well. They have some guys who can really run. When you ask Jonathan Smith what the strength of the defense is, he says it's the back end of that defense, meaning they're secondary. And so I already talked about Omar Spates. He is a good run stopper. He's a good pass rusher, which is part of why they're successful against the pass. But uh, Rajon Wright is a guy you want to look out for. 6'2", about 200 pounds. He plays corner. His brother played corner there last year. Very good football player out there. He is long. He is rangy. He can run. He has confidence. Those are all really good things for a corner in the Pac-12, especially as much as they throw the ball in the Pac-12. Really good things. And so Rayshon Wright, one of the guys for them, uh, who is a very, very good football player. Jaden Grant, also very good. He is a safety, six foot one ninety. Uh, he is a guy who you will see playing that man coverage as well. Alex Austin, who is the other corner, number five, a good football player, 6'1", 191, was an honorable mention Pac-12 guy, was a defensive player of the of the week this year. 
So uh, very good across that back end in their secondary. The other coverage they'll play from that post-safety look is what's called cover three, which you've heard a lot, which starts as a zone coverage. But the way college teams are playing it now is that they will start as a cover three, but certain rules, what they call match rules or matchup rules, will then flip that into man. If a wide receiver to the field lines up, let's say, outside the numbers or on the bottom of the numbers, now there's a trigger at some point that that corner will just lock it down and play man. And it's the point at which the defense feels like the safety can't help out. And so if he's wide enough that the safety can't help out, they will lock down that corner man and say, you've got him on the field, wherever he goes, it's on you. Plus, that's a long throw for most quarterbacks to get from a far hash to the far side of the field on go balls or those kind of things. It's pretty tough. Uh, and there's, you know, there's some big arm quarterbacks in college, but even then you got to be really accurate. You got to be on time. You've got to see the coverage. Like a lot of things have to happen right to complete the long ball to the wide field. And so locking him down in man, taking him out, saying, we'll take your one with our one and cancel it. That's one of those match rules. The other part of match rules for inside guys, and I did a uh, video actually, you can see Elite Athletes TV on my YouTube channel, but is if the inside receiver slots go vertical. Now that cover three, those guys turn into man so that they can help that safety out. The one thing that destroys a post-safety team, a single safety team, is four verticals, running guys up the hash. And so if you run guys up the hash at the safety, he's two on one over 22 point some odd yards in there. And so he, uh, he's got a lot of ground to cover from outside of hash to outside of hash without a lot of help from the corners, especially if they're playing that match coverage on the outside. So those safeties, the nickel guys and, and the strong safety on the inside who are covering those slot receivers will turn and run with those guys, turning cover three into cover one. Thank you, Nick Saban. He's the one who came up with that original coverage. And so the other thing about it is, and the reason teams do it, is being a post-safety team is a much more effective run-stopping defense because you have those safeties and nickel players who can spin down into the run. They can now run support as an extra added man to the box that you start off with. And so if you're playing cover one and your guy blocks down, say you're a strong safety on a tight end and your tight end blocks down, now you can insert as a run player as well. If you're playing cover three and now you see your safety block down, now you can roll down and be the insert player as well. See where this is going? So both those coverages kind of mimic each other in the respect that you can get extra people into the run stop, the run defense, and you can still play good pass coverage off of it as well. Cover three, there should be, technically speaking by the name, three people deep, deeper than the deepest guy in their zone. And so it's also a very effective pass defense as well. What do you give up? You give up the flats in cover three. But if you play it match and you're matched outside, then those flats aren't necessarily as vulnerable as they would be in just straight cover three. So it's a look at the structure of their defense. They play it very well. They're good up front, as I talked about. Their rushing defense, uh, very good, 118 yards per game. Their passing defense, 238 yards per game, which is top four in the Pac-12. 
However, it is only 81st in the country, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Their total defense, 356.1, top four in the Pac-12. It is 41st in the country. And then scoring defense, 22.9, is tied for 42nd in the country, but also top four in the Pac-12. So you could argue that there is a lot of offense going on in the Pac-12, which there is. This is maybe the best quarterback year that I've seen in the Pac-12 in years in terms of total dudes playing well from Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's a guy who I wasn't in love with prior to this year, but he's playing extremely well. You've got Cam Rising, who was injured recently, but playing extremely well, great leader at Utah. You've got Bo Nix at Oregon, got to see him. You've got Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, probably the most efficient passer in college football. Really, really good football player, will be playing on Sundays. Just last week, Caleb Williams, very, very good at that position. Uh, you've got Jaden Delora down in Arizona. So some dudes who are absolutely getting after it at that position. Cam Ward up at Washington State. Forgot about him. So good quarterback year in the Pac-12. And so, yeah, there is a lot of offense. However, one of the things that, that I think holds the Pac-12 back when we get into the national football playoff picture, which we touch on from time to time here, is the fact that we don't play very good defense in this conference. We don't play a lot of defense in this conference. Uh, if you look around the country for total defense, Illinois is actually number one right now at 232.2 yards per game. Add to that, five of the top 10 teams in total defense in the country are from the Big Ten. So you've got Illinois, you've got Michigan in there. Uh, you've got Iowa in there, some really good defensive football teams in the Big Ten. Now, you could also say that there's some really bad offensive football teams in the Big Ten, and I would argue that Iowa fits that bill very well, uh, that Wisconsin is not a joy to watch. So is it the conference less defense or less offense? Maybe, but you also have Ohio State in there. Michigan is pretty good on offense. Uh, there are some teams that can light it up on offense, Purdue. So, you know, they just play great defense back there. Maybe the weather helps, but that's how you get into the playoff picture. Great defense. They say defense wins championships. Offense sells seats. I enjoy offense as a radio analyst. I love an offensive game way more than a defensive game. Don't get me wrong. But if we're talking about championships, defense matters. Georgia comes in at a sterling number six right now on total defense, 265 and the SEC has four teams in the top 20 in that list. The Pac-12 has zero teams in the top 20. And so Oregon State comes in as our highest rank at 24. So that's one of the things if, if the Pac-12 wants to get better and wants to discuss having playoff runs from the Pac-12 is – the Pac-12 teams need to play better defense. That's all there is to it. Like I said, though, I love watching great offense. I love calling games with great offense as a quarterback. I enjoy the scheme of great offense. But my little playoff rant aside right now, let's talk to Coach Wilcox. I will come back. We will talk about the Beavers' offense on the flip side. Now this week, you head up to uh, Oregon State. And Oregon State is one of those teams that you know they're going to run the ball, and they know that you know they're going to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball anyway. Talk mm -hmm. about stopping Oregon State. I imagine defensively it starts with stopping the run first. Yeah, I mean, they're a heck of a team, really well coached, 
especially up front, you know, uh, the O-line does a really good job. They know exactly what they're doing. You know, the outside zone, the, the dubs duo play, um, and everything has a complement. So all their outside zone has play action. They utilize the tight ends. They'll max pro you and take shots. They'll try and, you know, they'll play action you and throw it over the top of the linebacker's head on some deep curls. They got the end around stuff, some fly sweep motions to, uh, you know, to uh, test your edges and your perimeter. Um, they just do a really good job. And like I said, everything has a compliment. You know, it's thought out and uh, they do what they do very well. And everybody's on the same page. You see that with the O-line tight ends, the running backs, the way that they hit those runs, they know exactly what they're doing. Um, so it's a really a good football team, and they're very good on defense. I mean, they are a veteran group, very good in the secondary, stout up front. Um, they play very hard and aggressive. That's a very, very good defense. So uh, they're doing a lot of good things and um, and uh, got a lot of respect for how they operate. The last two teams that you play, Oregon, USC, and also Washington State, have kind of the roots of the offense in that air raid style where they spread you wide with screens, they get you to the perimeter, they do everything to kind of stretch you horizontally, and then they throw at you vertically as well. This one different, more of the Chris Peterson style, where they're going to pound you in the middle, pound the rock at you, and then throw play action off of that. How do you have to change your mentality on defense to handle that? Uh, you know, well, we you try to carry enough defense that we got some um, – a menu that we can draw from. So we don't change from, you know, uh, week to week. Like we'll, we'll pick and choose things we like versus certain teams that may not fit the following week, but um, we have it in our repertoire, you know, from fall camp and maybe some other games. So um, depending on what personnel groups they play us in, you know, we'll see kind of how much base versus nickel we play. Um, I would assume we're going to see 12, and 21 and they got a they got a full they have a, a guy on their team jack leto who plays everything i don't know if you've got a chance to watch him. yeah dude's a stud uh he he plays offense and at fullback h back he takes a snap as the quarterback um he plays special teams he plays defense i mean he is a really good football player so they just uh you know uh, they just do it. Like I said, they do what they do very well. And offensively, we know they're going to run it. and We'll kind of see how the how it unfolds personnel wise. But it's going to be a physical game, no doubt. Yeah. And as, as a quarterback, Coletto makes all of us proud because he's putting linebackers on their heads. Like when he's blocking at that fullback position, too. Guy's just an absolute baller at that spot. Talk about their running backs, um, because Martinez, very good, you know, young, young running back for them. They got three guys, Fenwick, Martinez. Uh, and the third kid, a uh, third running back, they're all really good football players. Do you differentiate between when they're in the game or do you just kind of play it the same? Yeah. I mean, you know, Martinez, Fenwick and Griffin, they all got, uh, you know, about 70 carries or more each all over 300 yards with Martinez having over 600. Uh, they're all good backs and not, you know, they're not identical, but uh they can all run the outside zone. They can run the lead zone scheme. They can run the 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 duo play. So, uh, yeah, I don't know that it changes a whole lot, but they got three guys they like rolling through there, and they're all good players. Yeah, defensively, I think 
the really because they run the ball so well to me at least the defense seems a little bit underrated i think that's a really good defense when you watch them on film talented you know spade's still back there playing his butt off talk mm-hmm. about that defense and what you have to do offensively yeah i mean you know i don't know a ranking them in the conference I don't like to say who's the best or who isn't, but the, I don't know that anybody plays better than these guys. I mean, I think Oregon State's defense plays really well. Um, again, they know what they're doing. They play together up front. They're very stout. Uh, their edges, they're big, tall guys. I mean, the the edges of their defense are 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. So they got big, tall, long-levered guys. The linebackers are very active. And their secondary can play man-to-man, um, you know, and – to have dominant defense, you usually got to play some man-to-man, and these guys can play man-to-man. Um, you know, number two, uh, number five, the nickel, and then the the safety, Grant, makes a ton of plays. So they're a very good defense. Yeah, when you say play man-to-man, they'll come up and challenge you and play zero and kind of say, I dare yep. you, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that makes it tough as a quarterback. You got to get that ball off. You got to be good about it or figure out a way to block them and get the ball outside. <laughs> Excuse me, can get you in trouble in a hurry. Coach, I appreciate you coming on with us here today. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you take on the Beavers this weekend. All right. Thanks, Mike. So you can see Coach Wilcox, a ton of respect for Oregon State, as they should. And Coach Smith, Coach Wilcox have coached against each other several times here, both as assistants and now as head guys as well. So uh, they know what each team is about. They understand each team's strengths and weaknesses. And Coach Wilcox this week uh, has his hands full coming into this game. Because going into Oregon State, going uh, playing at Corvallis, they are really, really good at home. Weather may not be great up there, which fits what Oregon State does in terms of running the ball. They love to pound the rock on offense. The Beavs are rushing for about 193 yards a game right now. That is a solid statistic in terms of running the ball. Jim Hulchek, their offensive line coach, uh, in my opinion, one of the best in the country up there. He is very, very good. He has the or every year he has the Oregon State O line dialed in and getting it done. So he's excellent. Uh, they are very good at running the football, passing the ball not quite as good, about 214 yards per game. Now there's a huge emphasis on running it. Their quarterback right now is a backup coming into the season. Chance Nolan was their guy, and so. He got injured. Ben Gobranson is now their quarterback. He has a big arm. He has some tools. He has been successful. He's winning football games for them. But as you watch film on him, he's not up to the caliber of the guys I was talking about earlier around the conference. He's okay. He gets it done. He manages it for them. But they miss plenty of opportunities uh, with Gobranson back there. And so that's a place that Oregon State could definitely improve. Uh, Chance Nolan is close. He injured his neck, I believe, versus Utah. And each week they have said, ooh, Chance Nolan could come back this week. He's close. Have not seen him back yet. This could be the week. Maybe not. Necks are dicey things. Trust me. I know about that. And so uh, if Chance Nolan comes back, that's their original starter. They chose him for a reason. Uh, And so he's the guy that they like on the team. But Gulbranson has won several games for them as well, that quarterback position. Where you got to look at Oregon State on their offense is the young running back, Damian Martinez, a true freshman. He's going to be the freshman running back that competes with Jay Knott for freshman player of the year in the conference this year. 
and he is really, really good. Comes in at six foot two fifteen. He is fast. He is decisive. He can cut a very strong single cut, stick his leg in the ground and get north and south guy. He's got some shake to him as well. Uh, I think he really understands this offense, how to run, how to read, and he is very, very good at it. You talked, We talked to Coach Wilcox, and he was talking about that dubs or duo concept and what that is up front. It's a zone scheme in terms of blocking, and the emphasis in that scheme is to get double teams up front. And so you are trying to get a double team play side with your center and guard and backside with your guard and tackle so that you can move the center of the line out. You can get movement up front right away. And then you leave the play side backer for your running back to read. If the play side backer fills the outside gap, then the back cuts back and stays in behind those double teams and tries to get it. Those guys work from those double teams to the next level, to the backer, backside backer. And away we go. If the backer plays inside to that back's cut, plays downhill, then the back bounces it outside. So it gives him every option. I think that Damian Martinez is really, really good. He's a natural at reading that. They also run inside zone. They run outside zone. And so these are all blocking schemes in which your running back makes that read. And so the best running back coaches in America coach technique coach you what to read, and then they let the backs do their own thing in terms of once they stick their foot to the ground. You're not going to tell them where to run. You're not going to tell them how to run it. You're just going to tell them what their read is, and then they can do it. And I think Martinez is very, very good at making those reads and then getting north and south. The old saying is slow to the hole, fast through the hole, and Martinez is very good at that. Slow reading it, and then boom, once he decides, he's off. Number one receiver for the Beavs is number Zero, single zero, can't have double, that's illegal. Treshawn Harrison, he is a transfer from Florida State. If you remember back to the Oregon State-Stanford game, he is the receiver that had the big catch where he reached back over the DB and snatched it and then turned and ran for a touchdown. And so big physical wide receiver, six foot one, 191, can go get it, can run. He's fast, obviously he's athletic to be able to go over somebody and grab a ball like that. But he is the guy for them in terms of their number one overall receiver he is really their only receiver, true receiver, who has size at that position. The other guys, when you go down the list, you've got uh, Tyjon Lindsay, who comes in at five foot nine. You've got Anthony Gould, who comes in at five foot eight. You've got a bunch of other guys who are like that five nine range, and so a bunch of Smurfs running out there. They're fast, but those guys can get lost sometimes in coverage. And as a quarterback, you've got to be perfect with the ball when you're trying to hit them. And so it makes it tougher. But as I said, Oregon State is a team that wants to pound the rock on you first and foremost. Uh, they play with two tight ends oftentimes. Luke Musgrave, who was a stud tight end for them, is injured, underwent surgery, uh, is not likely to come back for the rest of the season. You obviously know the name. Billy is our offensive coordinator, was a great quarterback up at Oregon. Uh, great family. Luke's father was actually a quarterback behind Billy up there at Oregon as well. So uh, Luke Musgrave is out. He is a really good football player, but there are other uh, tight ends. Jake Overman is one. Jack Velling is another. JT Byrne uh, is another guy that you're going to see. So they, they all kind of rotate through those spots. And 
that pretty much covers it. They're a good offensive line, boy. They are really, really good. Jim Halchek has them dialed up. They get off the ball. They work together. It is, it is like watching a machine work. They are synchronized in everything they do, which is what you have to be as an offensive line. Uh, Robbie Tobeck, who used to play, who was a Washington State grad, played in the NFL, Atlanta, and Seattle for, I think, 16 years overall. But he's a friend. And he made a statement one time when he was on my show, and he said, if a team is a band of brothers, then the offensive line has to be quintuplets. Like, that's how tight they have to be in terms of the way they communicate and the way they move and all of that. And I think that that is exactly what Jim Mahalchek has their offensive line doing up there at Oregon State. And as a result, that carries through that mentality, that toughness of running the football and, and being that type of team carries through the rest of your team. And so, um, as usual, Jonathan Smith loves to pound the rock. It gives you a lot. They run some fly sweep stuff. They, they run enough Dickham plays where they'll run reverses. They'll run fly sweep. They'll test your edges. They'll get you outside. You heard Coach Wilcox talk about that. And they'll take some shots down the field to stretch you to keep you in coverage. And it's enough that they can pound the rock and win a lot of games that way. I don't know that they will beat you with their passing game. But oftentimes, because their running game is so good, they don't have to. Bears defense have their hands cut out for them. Completely different team than the team they faced last week in USC, which was going to spread you around, throw screens, go vertical, kind of do all kinds of different things, run the zone when you're not expecting it, run a little bit of counter inside. That was USC this week. This is a, we're going to line up and we are going to pound it and we are going to bloody your nose and see who wins this battle of wills up front. So if you're a middle linebacker, you got to love this. Jackson Sermon got his hands cut out for him, or excuse me, got his work cut out for him, his hands full this week. Uh, Femi Oladejo, Nate Ricina, all those cats better strap it up and uh, come downhill to stop the run. It's a good football team. Anyway, that's it. <clears throat> anyway, that's it. As always, you can catch me and my partner Joe Starkey on the broadcast on KGO. I appreciate you guys watching or listening, if that be the case. For Bear Insider and the Ultimate Insider Podcast, I am Mike Pulaski. Go Bears.